I have an interesting class here. Let me make it a little lighter. Too light. We're going to have an interesting class because we've been discussing a lot of philosophy, and now we're going through the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam and discussing about Yoga Maya, and we're going to discuss Yoga Maya's actions within the Leelas. So it's going to be more, um, perhaps more interesting, more illuminating more enlightening. Anyway, we'll definitely be absorbed in Leela, that's for sure. <laughs> so, it's going to be nice. So, let's chant Jai Radha Madhava, and then we're, um, we'll read some of the Leelas of how Yoga Maya is working in those Leelas, and then we'll discuss the actions of Yoga Maya, stealing of the cows, the Ras Leela, the Dhammadar Leela and how Yoga Maya is assisting. And it's interesting. It's 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 a philosophical discussion, but it's based on the Leelas, how Yoga Maya works in the Leelas. So it's it's practical. We're seeing we're seeing now practically how Yoga Maya works. <laughs> Dhiradhamadhava Kunjavi Hari Radhamadhava Kunjavi Hari Kupiyajanavallabha Kirivardhari Pijanavalava Kirivaratthari Chishodanandana Vajajanaranjana Sudhananana Vajajanaranjana Chamanatira Panachari Chamanatira Vana Chari Adhama Ava Kunjavi Hari Radhama Dhava Kunjavi Hari Bhupi Janavalabha Kirivarthari Pijanavalava Girivardhari Shodanandana Rajajana Ranjana Sodanandana Rajajana Ranjana Jamunatira Vana Chali Jamuna Tira Vana Chali Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Radha Madhava Kunjabi Hari Radha Madhava Kunjavi Hari
Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna
Prabhupad ki jai. Namao Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Shamini Tinamane Namaste Sharashati Deve Gauravani Pacharine Nirvise Sasanyavari Pascharjitasatari We're going to read the Leelas in relation to commentaries from Bhagavatam on Yoga Maya. So we're going to be very absorbed in Leela today. Good or great? So now I must go to where we left off and make my best educated guess. We left off somewhere in the 10th canto, 4th chapter, I believe. Nadia, you know where we left off? I believe it was 1049. Yes, that's correct, 1049. So <clears throat> now we're reading from 10643. So this will be a sweet class, getting absorbed in the Leelas from the 10th canto. Are you qualified? Well, we are not going to discuss anything too esoteric. A little bit, maybe, but not much. Translation, 10643, Omaraj Prikshit, best of the crews. Nanda Maharaj was very liberal and simple. He immediately took his son on his lap as if Krishna had returned from death and by formally smelling his son's head, Nanda Maharaj, Nanda Maharaj undoubtedly enjoyed transcendental bliss. I, unfortunately, I don't know the verse before that, so I'm not sure what story this is, but apparently it seems that Krishna was, in, oh yeah, was engaged with Putana. Nanda Maharaj could not understand how the inhabitants of this house had allowed Putana to enter the house. Nor could he imagine the gravity of the situation. How did she get in there? Well, Prabhupada explained. You know how Putana get... She disguised herself as a beautiful woman. So Prabhupada said, everyone trusts a beautiful woman. There may be poison in her mind or heart, but because she's beautiful, everyone likes her and just automatically trust her. He did not understand that Krishna had wanted to kill Putana and that his pastimes were performed by Yoga Maya. Nanda Maharaj simply thought that someone had entered his house and created havoc. This was Nanda Maharaj's simplicity. So, there's two points going on here. One is that the Leelas are orchestrated by Yoga Maya and Krishna wanted this Leela to happen, and by killing Putana, she was awarded the position of his mother. So she benefited, and we have this wonderful Leela of showing uh, this little baby killing this big witch. 
And sometimes Prabhupada refers to this Leela when people say, well, I'm God, but I haven't realized it yet. And when I realize it, I will become God. And Prabhupada would say, God's always God. He doesn't have to realize he's God because he is. And then... And then Prabhupada gives the example of Putana. He said to Krishna, you know, when he was this little baby, he killed Putana. So he didn't have to realize he was God. He didn't have to become God because he already was. And if you have to become God, guess what? You're not. Kind of obvious. Isn't it? So that's one point. Point one. And the other point is Nanamaraj couldn't understand what was happening. That was Yogamaya's arrangement. Um, Krishna did not want him to understand. <coughs> Excuse me. And as as we'll read, why didn't Krishna want him to understand? Because he just didn't want him to understand. It would ruin the relationship. You know, you have your, like, best friend, you know, right? And you guys are joking and playing and wrestling and getting mad at one another and slapping one another on the bank. One day one day you find out, like, your friend is like a Saudi prince, you know, worth billions of dollars from this family. It's just going to change. could change the relationship a bit. People are, you know, millions of people are honoring him and, Something like that. Not a, not a perfect example, but something like that. So, by the agent agency of Yoga Maya, Krishna doesn't want Nanda Maharaj to understand how it is that he is anything other than his son, um, how he could kill Putana. It's like Nanda Maharaj will not be able to figure it out. Krishna doesn't want him to figure it out. If he did figure it out, then he would figure that Krishna's God. That's why he killed Putana. He could do that. So, so Yoga Maya is aware of everything going on in the Leela and then orchestrating the Leela, as we'll see in many of the things we read here, orchestrating the Leela to ensure that the devotees don't understand Krishna's position as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And if it, it ever is, if it ever for a moment becomes apparent, then Yoga Maya will cover that and they will forget that it even happened. Because Yoga Maya is, in, is, is existing in Krishna Leela to nurture the pastimes. And they can't be nurtured if Krishna's position is revealed. So she'll always keep it covered. So the next Leela is when Krishna killed a demon, Shakatasur, I believe, and he was in a cart. And he was a very, very small baby, very young baby. So no one could think that a young baby could kill some big, big monster-like person who's trying to kill Krishna. So here's from the purport. The nearby children saw that actually Krishna had kicked the wheel of the cart, and this was how the accident happened. You know, the cart fell over, killed this person. By arrangement of Yogamaya, all the gopas and gopis thought that the accident had taken place because of some bad planet or some ghost. 
But in fact, everything was done by Krishna and enjoyed by him. So, it's like Krishna wants to engage in these leelas, fighting with these monster, mystic asuras trying to kill him. He likes that. But he's got to do it in a way that nobody really understands what's going on. Because if they understand what's going on, then his enjoyment now, instead of enhancing his bliss and the bliss of everyone, will destroy their bliss. And then he will also not be happy. So, so Krishna is doing things right in front of their eyes, these amazing things. And they're thinking, no, that's not what we saw. I mean, the little kids, they see it, but it doesn't, they don't think anything of it. You know, little kids saw Krishna pull down the two trees, Nalakovaramanigriva, but the adults, like, no, they couldn't do that. Kids, yeah, he did it. But for them, it's yeah, here's our, here's our friend. He's, he's the man, literally speaking, Purusha. He's the, you be the Purusha. He is the man, the Purusha. But for them, it's not a problem. But for others, it's like, wait a minute, how could this little boy pull that? How could this little boy pull the trees? And how could this little boy kill this witch? How could this little boy kill this this demon, this big monster trying to monster like man trying in this cart trying how could he do that? Yoga Maya's like Psh. and then I we don't know. We have no idea. Maybe he's a demigod. So we're gonna we're gonna see this theme coming up. Now here's another one, really interesting. Somehow or other, I can't, can't believe I can't believe it, but I wasn't aware of this particular pastime. So this is Krishna sitting on the lap of Jasoda, and Trinavarta. I think Trinavarta comes as a coward boy is going to play, and then Krishna's going to get on his back because. Trinavarta, whoever he, whatever he's playing, some cowboy boy, he lost in a fight. So then you have to, the loser has to carry the winner on the shoulder. And then his plan is to take Krishna up high and smash him to the ground. So now this incident we're reading is taking place before, right before Trinavarta comes and Krishna is sitting on the lap of his mother. Feeling the child to be as heavy as the entire universe and therefore being anxious, thinking that perhaps the child was being attacked by some other ghost or demon, the astonished mother Jasoda put the child down on the ground and began to think of Narayana. For seeing disturbances, she called for the Brahmins to counteract this heaviness and then she engaged in her other household affairs. She had no alternative than to remember the lotus feet of Narayan, for she could not understand that Krishna was the original source of everything. So, what you see in the pastimes is when Krishna exhibits his godhood or his extraordinary activities, <clears throat> they always have to come up with some interpretation other than that Krishna is God. So, this is in this example, the interpretation was some ghost or demon, like his attacked him and creating this heavy weight. So we'll read the purport. 
Mother Jasoda did not understand that Krishna is the heaviest of all heavy things and that Krishna rests within everything. Matstani Sarvabhutani. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita 9.4, Maya Tatam Idam Sarvam Jagat Abhyakta Murtina. Krishna is everything in his impersonal form. And everything rests upon him. And he's, he's in everything. And everything's in him, and he's holding up everything. And he's one heavy Purusha. He's a heavy Purusha because everything's in him, and he holds up everything. So he's the heaviest. As we would say in America, he's a heavy dude. That guy is heavy. Well, literally, Krishna, I wouldn't call him a guy. Krishna is heavy, literally. Nonetheless, nachaham teshtavashtita. Krishna is not everywhere. Madhija Soda was unable to understand this philosophy because she was dealing with Krishna as his real mother by the arrangement of Yoga Maya. Not understanding the importance of Krishna, she could only seek shelter of Narayan for Krishna's safety and call the Brahmanas to counteract the situation. So some ghost, some demon, <coughs> worship Narayan, call the Brahmins, help my kid. That's the only way she could think. That's the action of Yoga Maya. If you take Yoga Maya away from that situation, then she understands everything. Oh, Krishna's God. He's just warming up for this incident with Trinavarta who's going to lift him up and he's going to weigh him down. He's just practicing, you know, in the ring, getting ready. That's what's happening, actually. It was warm. He was warming up. Up. You know. Well, I got to be as heavy as the universe. Let's just warm up. But of course, doing it on Jasoda's lap, it just it allows it allows us practicing devotees to hear this leela and understand better how yoga maya works. Okay, so the next Leela <coughs> is Mother Jasoda seeing the whole universe within Krishna's mouth. And I'm assuming you all understand these Leelas, which is why I'm not elaborating on them. And if for some reason you don't, then you can find these all in a Krishna book. Maybe I can elaborate slightly, just to make sure. <coughs> if there's someone here who's newer to Krishna consciousness who may not understand. So, um, this verse is about Mother Yasoda looking in Krishna's mouth and inside his mouth she saw the whole universe. This is part of a leela where his friends complained to Yasoda that he was eating dirt. Stop him from eating dirt. He's eating dirt. Okay, open your mouth. Let's see. You're eating dirt. No, Mata, I'm not eating dirt. Open your mouth. I want to see. Yeah, she saw a lot of dirt, like all the dirt in the universe. So, when Mother Jasoda saw the whole universe within the mouth of her child, her heart began to throb. And in astonishment, she wanted to close her restless eyes. Then it's explained, interesting, <clears throat> why she wanted to close her eyes. Because, you know, if you could see the whole universe in your baby's mouth, you probably wouldn't want to close your eyes. You'd be like, oh my God, Take a, get my phone, let's take a picture of this. That's amazing. Let's put it on Facebook. No one's going to believe this. You wouldn't want to close your eyes. The purport explains why. 
Because of her pure maternal love, Mother Yasoda thought that this wonderful child playing so many tricks must have had some disease. <clears throat> In other words, she can't, because of her love and the influence of Yoga Maya, she can't go with this idea that Krishna is anything other than her son. Okay? So this is this is really, a, I think, a very clear, gives us a really clear understanding of how Yoga Maya works because in every instance we see nobody thinks, wait a minute, you know, he's done like a million amazing things. Maybe he's not just a boy. Maybe he's not just the son of Yasoda. Maybe, maybe he's not just a demigod. Maybe he's the Supreme Lord. They don't go there. Yoga Maya does not let them go there in spite of all the evidence. Interesting, right? Because of pure maternal love, Mother Yasoda thought that this wonderful child playing so many tricks must have had some disease. She did not appreciate the wonders shown by her child. Rather, she wanted to close her eyes. She was expecting another danger, and therefore her eyes became restless like those of a fawn. This was all the arrangement of Yoga Maya. The relationship between Mother Jasoda and Krishna is one of pure maternal love. In that love, Mother Jasoda did not very much appreciate the display of the Supreme Personality of Godhead's opulences. So, <clears throat> no, no, I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing this. It doesn't exist. Just, I'm not seeing it. It's not there. No, no, no. She can't deal with it because it would, it's just, it's, it's out of the context of her rasa with Krishna. Or she's thinking there's danger. I just don't want to look at this. Is some demon is doing something. I don't want to see it because it makes me feel more in anxiety about the danger. Or I just, I can't go there. This is like, there's no place for me to try to understand this. So we go to 10.843. It's a chapter and a few verses ahead. <clears throat> mm. So, now, what's happening now is actually Yoga Maya Yoga Maya leaves. And now just sort of actually understands what's happening. Interesting, right? So we're going to read about it. Why did that happen? Mother Jasoda, by the grace of the Lord, could understand the real truth. But then again, the Supreme Master, by the influence of the internal potency, Yogamaya, inspired her to become absorbed in intense maternal affection for her son. So for a moment, Yoga Maya removed the covering and she understood. I'm not Yasoda, this is not my son, I'm not the wife of Nanda Maharaj, this is all an illusion. Of course it's not an illusion because that's her eternal position, but for the sake of the Leela, she's, she's out of character now. She says, no, this is not my position. And then Yoga Maya is thinking, um, this is not good, so we have to cover her again. Purport. 
Although Mother Jasoda understood the whole philosophy of life, at the next moment she was overwhelmed by affection for her son by the influence of, you got it, Yogamaya. Unless she took care of her son Krishna, she thought, how could he be protected? She could not think otherwise. And thus she forgot all her philosophical speculations. In other words, if you read the whole story, she came, you know, she it was like she was a, become self-realized. I'm not this body, I'm not his mother, this is not my husband. She had all that. And then Yogamaya said, wait a minute, this is not going to work for this relationship. All she has, all she can think of is that Krishna is my son. So that's what happened. This forgetfulness is described by Srila Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur as being inspired by the influence of Yoga Maya. And here's the Sanskrit from the verse: Mohana Sadharmyan Maya. Materialistic persons are captivated by Mahamaya whereas devotees, by the arrangement of the spiritual energy, are captivated by yoga-maya. So, for Mother Yasoda's rasa to be nourished and expand. She cannot have any other consciousness other than, Krishna is my son, I have to protect him. Krishna depends on me. So now we go to the next verse. Next verse, meaning the next verse after the previous verse, not the next verse on my... If I could say we go to the next, could be the next quotation, which could be another chapter, but this is the next verse from what we read. <clears throat> Immediately forgetting Yogamaya's illusion that Krishna had shown the universal form within his mouth, Mother Yasoda took her son on her lap, as before, feeling increased affection in her heart for her transcendental child. So what happened? She saw the universal form within his mouth. Yogamaya said, Uh-oh. Yogamaya came. Everything was back to normal. And Yusoda has no now has no remembrance of what happened. Because if she remembers, that's going to ruin everything. Right? Read the purport. Mother Jasoda regarded the vision of the universal form within Krishna's mouth as an arrangement of Yoga Maya, like a dream. As one forgets everything after a dream, Mother Yasoda immediately forgot the entire incident. As her natural feeling of affection increased, she decided to herself, quote, now let this incident be forgotten. I do not mind. Here is my son. Let me kiss him. And that's exactly what happened. It was forgotten. So if you saw Jasoda after this and you said, what happened? You said, what do you mean what happened? Did, did you see the universe in your son's mouth? No. What are you talking about? Who told you that? But we forgot. It has to be that way. Otherwise... She can't have that motherly affection. Correct? Correct. Okay, so now we're going to the next chapter. 
ninth chapter. We were just in the eighth chapter. Now this is the ninth chapter. <clears throat> this is the Damodar Lila. And this takes place at the end of the day after she spent the whole day trying to punish him by tying him up. You know, she was trying to tie him up because it was actually for his safety. But it was also because she was busy and she didn't want him to do more mischief. That was the real reason. You know, he's, it wasn't so much like a punishment. It was like, I, I have to do things and he's he's creating havoc. I have to tie him up so he doesn't create more havoc. That was the mood. So here is the, um, so now we're entering the story, the end of the day when Mother Yasoda is just about exasperated, ready to just like, I can't, I can't tie him up. I'm trying all day. It's not working. So now we're coming in where Krishna is going to let her tie him up. Because of Mother Yasoda's hard labor, her whole body became covered with perspiration. And the flowers and comb were falling from her hair. When child Krishna saw his mother thus fatigued, he became merciful to her and agreed to be bound. So, <clears throat> binding Krishna obviously is not in the control of anyone other than Krishna. So, no matter what she did, even though materially she did everything she needed to do to bind him, to did all the right things, it didn't work because he wouldn't allow it to work. It's like the cart, you know, Jagannath stops. <clears throat> Nobody can pull the cart. Everyone's pulling the cart, everything's fine, and now Jagannath decides we're going to stop here and nobody can pull the cart until he decides it's okay, we can go. So materially, they're doing the same thing. The same number of men are pulling. And now it, it was working before, but now it's not working. So it's working by Krishna's will. So let's read the purport. When Mother Jasoda and the other ladies finally saw that Krishna, although decorated with many bangles and other jeweled ornaments, could not be bound with all the ropes available in the house, they decided that Krishna was so fortunate that he could not be bound by any material condition. Thus, they gave up the idea of binding him, but in competition between Krishna and his devotee, Krishna sometimes agrees to be defeated. Thus, Krishna's internal energy, Yogamaya, because Yogamaya knows <clears throat> what Krishna's thinking, what he wants, so she agreed. She said, okay. Krishna, no, Krishna said, okay. Then Yogamaya said, okay. And then, what happened? Finally, he was bound by his mother. Because he agreed. And Yogamaya said, okay. Now we were discussing this on Wednesday. Does that mean that Krishna told Yogamaya? He winked at her and said, okay. No, she knows. So now here's the story of Agasura. It's interesting. You'll find a lot that people have names or given names 
by providence, providentially, we're given names that describe them. And when we read about these these mystic yogis and demoniac persons who Kamsa hired, Bhagavatam always puts Asura as their surname. You know, whatever first name they have, often the first name describes them. And <laughs> they're given the surname. As, asura. Asura means ungodly. I just find that a bit humorous. Like you would, you know, someone's... <laughs> it's like, instead of Richard Dawkins, it just say Richard Atheist. Or Daka, Doc, Richard Asura. Or Dawkins Asura. Docking, Dawkins the Atheist. You know, just, that becomes their new name. Like... You know, traditionally or often, names, surnames were descriptions of person's occupation or their caste or clan. <clears throat> so here, you're getting the name Asura, that's your clan. Maybe your occupation, <coughs> could be your occupation also, to make the world atheist, but it's your clan. Your surname is Asura, Agasura, Bakasura. You know, they all have, you know, it's it's the way, I don't know if that's what they call them or their friends call them that, but that's how they're described in Bhagavatam, I guess, just so we know who they are. My dear King Prikshit, thereafter there appeared a great demon named Agasura, whose death was being awaited even by the demigods. In other words, he was a troublemaker, a major troublemaker. The demigods drank nectar every day, but still they feared this great demon and awaited his death. This demon could not tolerate the transcendental pleasure being enjoyed in the forest by the cowherd boys. You know, sometimes atheists just cannot tolerate belief in God, people believing in God. It really upsets them. So we see this Amongst these asuras, that just they don't like Krishna. He upsets them. Purport. One may ask how Krishna's pastimes could be interrupted by a demon. This is so interesting. You know, Krishna's playing with his friends, and all of a sudden, this asura shows up to ruin everything. It's like we're just having fun. And this guy shows up creating havoc and, you know, picking a fight with Krishna or whatever he's doing, knocking down trees or evacuating on some sacrificial arena. But specifically here, just interrupting the fun the cowboys are having. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur is addressing this, like, what's going on? Why is this happening? The boys are, like, doing doing fine. They're having fun, they're playing, and all of a sudden this big disruption comes. So let's find out why. It's a funny reason. I think it's funny. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur answers this question by saying that although the transcendental pleasure being enjoyed by the coward boys could not be stopped, unless they stopped the transcendental pleasure of their various activities, they could not eat their lunch. In other words, they'd go all day without eating. Therefore, at lunchtime, Agasura appeared, 
by the arrangement of Yogamaya, so that for the time being they could stop their activities and take lunch. I think what it means is, all you sit here, have lunch, I'll take care of this guy. I'll be back soon. So like, okay, well, without Krishna there, I guess it's no fun to play. So all right, we'll take lunch now. Therefore, at lunchtime, Agasura appeared by the arrangement of Yogamaya, so that for the time being, they could stop their activities and take lunch. Isn't that interesting? Changing varieties are the mother of enjoyment. The coward boys would continuously play, then stop, and then again enjoy in a different way. Therefore, every day a demon would come and interrupt their sporting pastimes. The demon would be killed and then the boys would engage again in their transcendental pastimes. I guess what's being said, not I guess, what's being said here also is they needed a break. So, you know, half time, you know. Demon comes at half time, Krishna kills him, it's a break, you know. They they get to watch it and get to stop and have lunch and Yoga Maya is taking care of everything. You know, it, it's interesting because it's like if you go to the spiritual world, everything's being taken care of because these energies are conscious. Everything is conscious. So nothing's happening that's not in control of Yoga Maya and Krishna's control directly, the way he wants everything controlled. So everything's perfectly happening. Whereas here in this world, so many things are happening that shouldn't happen that are in the control of people who shouldn't be in control. And their control creates so many problems. But in the spiritual world, you don't have to go there and go, I wonder if everything's going to go okay today. You know, Here comes a demon. Well, in the spiritual world, I know demons. But you, you don't have to worry. It's all being arranged. So if there's some so-called disaster, that's also just perfectly arranged. It's not... It's like watching a movie. It's all been arranged, planned. Okay, so now we're going to read from 10, 13, 21. Prabhupada translated, I think, up to 10, 13, 5 or something. Somebody said, somebody said he only translated up to 10, 3, but then I, I looked it up. And somewhere in the 13th chapter, it ended from what I remember. And you can can kind of tell by the writing. It's slightly different. Similar, but slightly different. So, now we're reading 10, 13, 21. So this is the pastime of the cows and the cowry boys. You remember that pastime? Lord Rama said, let's play some fun. Let's play a trick on Krishna. So he got all the coward boys. I don't exactly practically know how he arrested them all. Or, but he got them all into a cave. And he said, okay, what's Krishna going to do now? I want to see what Krishna's going to do. So he went um, He went away for a moment. One moment is one year, his time. On his planet, a moment is a year. So he went away for a moment. And then he came back. It was a year later. And when he came back... What did he see? Well, Krishna was playing with all the cows and boys. But all the cows and boys were still in the cave that he locked them in. So like, 
what's going on here. So that's that's what this verse is referring to. Now expanding himself so as to appear as all the calves and cowboys, <clears throat> so as to appear. Krishna expanded himself and <coughs> every boy and every calf. <coughs> and he looked identical to them, exactly as they looked. But it wasn't them, it was him. Expansion, incarnation. Incarnation in all the in all the calves and all the boys. Exactly. And at the same time appears as their leader. So now Krishna's playing with all these boys and calves. He's playing with himself. They're just his expansions. And so then um you know, so Brahma steals all the cows. And then Krishna comes home with all the cows, like nothing happens. And all his friends, they're all stolen, but he comes back with all his friends. Purport. Krishna usually stayed in the forest and pasturing ground, taking care of the calves and cows, with his associates, the cowherd boys. Now that the original group had been taken away by Brahma, Krishna himself assumed the form of every member of the group assume the forms of every member of the group without anyone's knowledge, even the knowledge of Baladev, and continued the usual program. He was ordering his friends to do this and that, and he was controlling the calves and going into the forest to search for them when they went astray, which is all what he normally did. But these calves and boys were he himself. This was Krishna's inconceivable potency. As explained by Srila Sharup Damodar Goswami Radha Krishna Pranay Vivriktir Ladini Shakti Asmat Radha and Krishna are the same. Krishna, by expanding his pleasure potency, becomes Radha Rani. Every syllable in Radha's name, every yeah, every syllable is long. Radharani. Like some devotees say, Radha, Radha. Radharani is not Radha. It's Radha. Radharani. Radharani. Anyway, most of us will never pronounce it properly. The same pleasure potency, Ananda Chinmaya Rasa, was expanded by Krishna when he himself became all the calves and boys and enjoyed transcendental bliss in Rajabhumi. This was done by the Yogamaya potency to the rescue. Let's give her a big hand for that. She did a great job. All the cows looked exactly the same. All the boys looked exactly the same. Big hand for Yogamaya. And so then Prabhupada says, nobody could tell that these weren't the same cows. Nobody could tell that these weren't the same boys. That was done by Yogamaya. So you can see Yogamaya's job, you know, is quite varied. Whatever is necessary, she does. Right? So now let's let's read one more and then I'll see if you have any questions or comments. We have more to it. We can read more. Hmm. So this is a continuation of the pastime. This is 10, 
because of an in, this is also very interesting. This is all, you know, you'll, you'll probably have a question how, how it happened. Balaram couldn't understand what was going on. This is what Balaram is noticing. Because of an, an increase of affection, the cows had constant attachment even to those calves that were grown up. In other words, the calves that Krishna became were older calves. They weren't milking anymore. But now this is new attachment developed between the cows, the mother cow, and their older calves. When Baladeva saw this attachment, he was unable to understand the reason for it, and thus he began to consider as follows. So he saw that they were taking milk. And the calves, the cows were not feeding them, they were old. Now they're taking milk, now the calves are, cows giving milk. Like, why? What's going on? The cows had younger calves who had started suckling milk from their mothers. And some of the cows had newly given birth. But now, because of love, the cows enthusiastically showed their affection for the older calves, which had left off milking. <clears throat> These calves were grown up, but still the mothers wanted to feed them. Therefore, Balaram was a little surprised. And he wanted to inquire from Krishna about the reason for their behavior. The mothers were actually more anxious to feed the older calves, although the new calves were present because the older calves were expansions of Krishna. These surprising events were taking place by the manipulation of Yoga Maya. There are two mayas working under the direction of Krishna, Mahamaya, the energy of the material world, and Yogamaya, the energy of the spiritual world. These uncommon events were taking place because of the influence of Yogamaya. From the very day on which Brahma stole the calves and boys, Yogamaya acted in such a way that the residents of Vrindavan, including even Lord Balaram, could not understand how Yoga Maya was working and causing such uncommon things to happen. That's amazing, isn't it? And Balaram couldn't understand. But as Yoga Maya gradually acted, Balaram in particular was able to understand what was happening and therefore he inquired from Krishna. So I'm going to go see if there are any questions or comments. Mm -hmm. It looks like something's going on here. I have to go to the beginning to see if there's any comments. Okay. Mm -hmm. First comment or question. <coughs> Nagojata, also known as Krishna Karshani. Nagojata. Is that right? Nagojata. Krishna is the one who can give us love to himself because he is the owner of love. So what is happening with love to Krishna we used to have after our fall down from the spiritual world. 
Krishna took away love. Now we didn't need it anymore to him. It seems he did it because we don't love Krishna being in the material world. Well, so Krishna gives you what you want and what you need. And that was when you come to the material world. I mean, what's the the point is to forget Krishna and imitate Krishna. And there's nothing more paradoxical or diametrically opposed to love than that. So just automatically, what Shastra says is when you turn your back on Krishna, automatically maya comes, three modes of nature. So there's no love within those modes of nature. So it it as soon as you want to enjoy, then Maya covers you. And so when you're covered, your love is there, it's just covered. We can say, didn't take it away, just covered it. Nityasiddha Krishna Prema. It's still there. It's just it's been covered by the three modes of nature. Why covered? Because that's it's not going to, if you want to be Krishna, it's not going to work if you still love him. And we turned our back on Krishna. We didn't want to love him. So we got the booby prize. You know the booby prize? It's like if, you, if you lose a, you're playing a game and you lose a game, you get the booby prize. I'll just give you something. So we got the booby prize, which is material desire. Anyway, that's what we want. We don't want love, so. You can say he took it back, or you can say he just covered it. It amounts to the same thing, because he has to give it again. He has to, you know, it's there, but he has to allow it. Let's just say he has to allow it to manifest. No, he's not allowing it to manifest. He's covering it because we don't want it, and ultimately he'll, we can try our best, but he'll have to uncover it for us. It's his mercy. Nityasiddha Krishna Prema Shadokabhanoi. Now, some devotees outside of ISKCON will say, no, the love is not there. It has to be evoked from the outside by some mercy. That's... I've never seen Prabhupada explain it that way. He always said it's there inside. And some of my question, well, if that's true, that but Mahaprabhu is giving a special love, so it seems like it's coming from the outside. Yeah. So it's it's a combination of both. They're getting being endowed with a special kind of love. Same time, love is within us, but now you're getting icing on the cake, so to speak. So, Christe is asking. Well, I like that question. Krishna, yeah, we could say for the sake of discussion, we could say Krishna took it away because we didn't want it. You know, like, if you have children and they <clears throat> you buy them something that at some point they stop using it, sometimes you'll just take it or ask them, can I give this to someone else because you're not using it. So you're not using your love. It doesn't seem like you want it. Can I give it away? Sure, give it away. I don't need it. I'd rather actually just come to the material world and work things out down here so I don't really need the love. All right. Something like that. More or less. 
maybe. Yeah, it's just an example, but I think you get the idea. You don't need it, so, okay, forget it. So, Kriste says, this Leela with Brahma is one of my favorite. It's mind-blowing how Krishna expanded himself for the mothers not to worry during the whole year and then later pulled the curtain of Yogamaya on Brahma so he doesn't become more perplexed after seeing Krishna manifesting in front of him shows so much compassion or at least that is yeah that's true and there's so many ways we can look at this Leela mm. he said Krishna is mind blowing well if Krishna is not mind blowing he must not be God um, you know what is the qualification of God? BBC comes up to you on the street. What is the qualification of God? Qualification of God is that he's mind-blowing. If he doesn't blow your mind, he must not be God. That's true. If he doesn't blow your mind, he's not God. No, but they say Sai Baba is God. Did he blow your mind? Well, yeah, he produced a rascula out of his hand. Well, that's not so mind-blowing. Can he do anything better? Some ash. Uh, that's not so mind-blowing. Something better than that. He can play piano. Something better than that. If he's God, he better be mind-blowing. Because even... Even people in this world can do some mind-blowing things. My daughter showed me a guy throwing, juggling balls. Now, the keyboard on the ground, you might have seen it. And he's playing, a, juggling balls and throwing the balls on the keyboard and playing a song, which is hard to believe he can do that. But if he can do that, and he's just a fragmental portion of the Shakti of Krishna, we read that Wednesday, right? Fragmental portion from uh, end of 10th chapter or 11th chapter. Then what to speak of Krishna? He must be mind-blowing. That's his qualification. How do you know whose God is? He'll blow your mind. And you might say, there's a lot of things that blow my mind. Yeah, that may be true, but they're all Indirectly Krishna, because he created them all. Krishna Karshani says, You know that I have doubts if we ever have been in the spiritual world. Listening what you are reading, my doubts are increasing. <laughs> Who would be so stupid to leave the spiritual world where everything is full of love and bliss? It doesn't make any sense for me. Yes. It seems in Prabhupada's explanation it's like anything's possible. <clears throat> Even if it's impossible, <laughs> it's possible. You know, sometimes I think this is this is you know, it's it's you're just discussing you can discuss the fall of the jiva in pure philosophical terms that the jiva has independence. <clears throat> And, and so, you remember I, I said there was a morning walk and Prabhupada was asked, does the jiva, once he goes back to Godhead, does he ever fall back into the material world? And Prabhupada 
Prabhupada said he could, but he doesn't. So that's an interesting answer if you analyze it. He could, what does could mean? At the same time, he could, but he doesn't. What does he could, but he doesn't mean if he doesn't, and no one ever did, then what does it mean he could? He could is not a practical answer. It's a philosophical answer. He doesn't is the practical answer. Once you go back, Krishna says, you'll never fall. So the one may say, well, if once you go back, you never fall, how could you fall in the first place? Because once you're there, you wouldn't. Well, you learned, you came here and had a bad marriage and you learned a few lessons. You had a bad job. But Prabhupada's point was, and still is, that the jiva, by constitution, has independence. So philosophically speaking, he could leave. That was Prabhupada's point. So, you know, it's a different context of the discussion. Because he could leave the spiritual world, but Krishna says he doesn't. And Prabhupada's saying, yeah, he doesn't, but he could. <laughs> So that broadens, you know, the scope of the, the conversation, you know. When Prabhupada says, we were the Krishna and Leela, we fell, this, is that a philosophical statement? Meaning, we could, but we won't. These things we could discuss ad infinitum, and still, not everyone will agree. But one thing we can all agree on is we're not in the spiritual world right now. That we can all agree on. So, Kelly says, also, this Brahma Vimohan Lila is so wonderful. Well, you know why it's wonderful? Well, you must know why it's wonderful because it's one of your favorite. But why it's wonderful to me is it just shows how Krishna loves to reciprocate with his devotees. You know, because all these gopis, all their gopis, they couldn't have the position that Jasoda had, except this one year they had it, because now Krishna was actually their son, whereas before Krishna was not their son. He was Mother Yasoda's son. And now for this year, they get Krishna as their son, something they always wanted, they always wished for. And now Krishna said, okay, and the same thing for the cows. Like Krishna, you know, rescuing these 16,000 queens and then marrying marrying them. Well, they all wanted to be married. Stealing the garments. They all wanted to marry him. Well, if you see a woman without clothes, according to the Vedas, you have to marry her. Hmm. Interesting, right? You should not see a woman, you should not see anyone naked, and a man should not see a woman naked unless it's his wife. And if he does see her, then he has to make her his wife because that's the only one he can see naked. So that's what Krishna did. He said, oh, I've seen you naked. Okay, I have to marry you now. But he knew they wanted to be married. So, you know. He's playful. Bihari means he plays. So he's playful. So he, instead of just doing it straightforward, just like, okay, I'll be your son somehow or other, he does it this way. You know, it's, it's more artistic, right? More dramatic. Krishna is very dramatic. <clears throat> so, Parananda has a question. Lord Rama in this stealing time was covered by Yoga Maya or Mahamaya. 
yoga maya because yoga maya can also work to bewilder you not in a way that immediately is helping you in Krishna consciousness, but we can see that ultimately this helped Brahma, right? Because he realized that, you know, don't play with fire. This was not a good idea, doubting Krishna's position or trying to play a trick on Krishna. <clears throat> so, yeah. when My understanding is that when Krishna is personally covered, it's yoga maya. Like in the Gita... 725, Krishna says, people can't, they don't know me because I'm covered by Maya. But if you look in the purport there, Prabhupada's talking about the people that were with Krishna that didn't understand him, that which was most people on the planet. So you're with Krishna, covered by Yoga Maya. Not necessarily were they covered by Mahamaya, just because they didn't understand Krishna. It doesn't mean like their whole lives are Maya, just means that they didn't understand Krishna's position, but it doesn't mean that they're in Maya, so it's Yoga Maya. Is that interesting? I think so. Because if you're covered by Maya, you're in Maya. But covered by Yoga Maya doesn't necessarily mean you'll be in Maya, it just means you don't understand Krishna's position. And in the case of the residents of Braj, it means you become more attached to Krishna. And in this case of Brahma, he ended up becoming purified. So Jyotirmaya says, I was thinking, you know, that could be dangerous if you're thinking. Maybe you should stop thinking. I was thinking like Mother Yasoda. Okay, that's good. Thinking like Mother Yasoda is okay. I was thinking. No, I'm not thinking like Mother Yasoda. I was thinking about Mother Yasoda like Mother Yasoda has in her eternal place. Has her eternal place. Yeah, she's eternally Krishna's mother. When we will finally go back to God, we will take our definite position. Will this mean that we will stop evolving? In Rasa, you'll stop evolving, but not in love. And will it ever happen that all souls turn back to Krishna so the material world will stop evolving? No, because there'll always be... All souls will go back and more souls will come down. So, will the world ever stop evolving or disappear? It could if no one wants to come down. Apparently everybody, you know, is looking for the greener grass down here because they will not be any reason for the material world to exist. I've never read anywhere or heard anywhere that Prabhupada ever said that would happen because, you know, you look in Bhagavatam, it gives you this whole cyclic description of, of the four ages and it never says, well, you know, at this point in time, nobody wants to be here anymore. They're all fed up with it. So the universe just evaporates. No need for it. We put a fence around the universe and just say, you know, out of business, we're closed. Which, of course, you wouldn't have to do that because there'd be nobody here to see it. But I've never read anywhere where the universe goes out of business. Um, what we have read is that you are evolving eternally. Even when you go back to Godhead, you're still evolving. It's a dynamic process. Your relationship with Krishna will grow eternally. That's something to look forward to. 
And that's a long time. And don't worry, you won't get bored with him. Eternally, I got to be with this one person. Relationship with this one person isn't that boring? No, it's not. Don't worry. Naviyovanam cha, and there'll always be conditioned souls coming down. It's just the way it is. <clears throat> Krishna Karshani says, if we really love somebody, in this case Krishna, why we want to take a place of this person? Even in the material world, if we love somebody, the idea of taking place of this person is not coming up. To be honest, the idea that we want to take place of Krishna, who we love, is impossible to understand. Yeah. Well, one point we could make <clears throat> is that I'm not arguing with your point because I've also thought in those terms. But as a as another point, which which doesn't invalidate what you said, but as another point for the sake of discussion of philosophy, the transcendental world and what goes on there cannot be understood from the logical perspective or not always understood or often misunderstood from our logical perspective. So, yeah, logically it doesn't make but then sense, but then the fact that the living entity has independence, he can do any crazy thing. I mean, I you could you could present the argument that with what we have now as devotees, the knowledge we have of Krishna consciousness, it doesn't make any sense. Also, that we wouldn't just completely surrender. So you could make that argument also. I mean, you know, we have all the tools necessary to love Krishna, and sometimes we'd rather just enjoy ourselves rather than serve. So that also doesn't make sense, does it? So, you know, I think the conditioning of the living entity is such that as soon as they have this independent idea, they have an idea to be independent of Krishna, then the modes of nature cover them, and then that's why they think that way. At least that's one explanation. Which would help make sense of it, right? Because when, if you just think, oh, I wonder what it's like to, to, um, you know, enjoy like Krishna. Not necessarily envy at that point. I just wonder why. That's it. It's over. Modes of nature are yours. Now you're covered up. So you know that's that's a way of considering how it happens. <clears throat> it's just a conception, which then the modes come, and then there's antagonism brought about by the covering of the modes. Okay, Nadia says, it doesn't make sense to me either, and I'm always afraid that we could go there and fall again. I don't know, what should we learn in order not to fall again? I'm not sure I want to go back to Canada because, you know, maybe I could fall again. Well, you don't have to worry, Nadia. Somehow you get there, you're good. You're good. You're not coming back here. Guaranteed. You could, but you won't. What do we have to do to get there? Stop doing everything that's going to keep you here and start doing everything 
that the the eternal residence of Brajadu. That's basically it. That's how you get there. It's like you have to be trained here. Like you know, you can't go fight a war if you're not trained, because when you show up, you won't know what to do. So you can't go to Braj unless you know what to do. So here is the training. So I have to stop doing all the things that people don't do in Braj and I have to start doing all the things that they do in Braj. That's your training. And then when you know how to do it, you're qualified, then you can go there. And then when you show up, you can do the right thing. Otherwise, if you show up in Braj, in this consciousness we have now, people will look at you and go, hey, you, what are you doing here? Who let you in? Something like that. You're not supposed to be here. We don't what what you're doing, we don't do that here. How'd you get here? Let me see your ID. So, you know, unless you can do what they do, you can't go there. So if if you do what ordinary people do in this world, this is where you stay. This is the place for you. You won't stand out. You'll just be normal. You know. Lusty and greedy and angry and envious and all that. This is be like a normal person here, and then you stay here. But if you try to go there with those qualities, nah. They're going to catch you at the gate. Sorry, this is not where you belong. Kaylee says, Regarding Krishna Karshani's doubts, I have wondered if the jiva falls because... It wants to experience the unique bliss of separation. Nope. It's not why. Is that sense of loving separation impossible in the spiritual world? No, it's possible. But they don't come here to experience it. You know, we have this story that Radharani's with Krishna and She's sitting next to Krishna and she's thinking, at some point Krishna's going to go because we can't be together all the time. And she starts feeling intense separation, although she's sitting next to Krishna. So you don't actually need physical distance to feel separation. And one time there was a bee bothering Radha and Krishna and bee's name is Madhu. And Krishna's also his name is Madhu. Madhu means sweet. Madhusudana, killer of the Madhu demon, that's another name. So I think it was our friend, the Ladu lover, Madhu Mangal, right? And so Krishna asked, Has Madhu gone? Or someone said, someone, I forget who, where's Madhu? And Bhavamangala Thakur said, Madhu is gone, and Radharani, taking Madhu as Krishna, even though she's next to Krishna, she thought Krishna left in her ecstasy. She couldn't understand Krishna was there. So she was feeling intense separation. So that's a kind of separation. You're with Krishna and you're feeling separation. There are different kinds of separation. That's one kind. So we definitely don't come here to experience separation. We definitely come here we don't we don't come here to experience separation in the spiritual sense. We come here in the material sense to be separated from Krishna because that 
when you're separated from Krishna, then then you can try to be him. You can't try to be him if you're with him. That doesn't work. We ever see, Kelly, you ever see these Western movies or TV shows I used to watch when I was a kid? They'd always have this scene where you have this little town in the Wild West and everybody had a gun. In fact, uh, and, and they're always shooting with their guns. In fact, I read the history. They don't, hardly anybody had a gun in the Wild West. But anyway, at least they had guns on television. And there'd always be this show. And there'd be some conflict, some rivalry between two really heavy dudes or two gangster types, whatever. And the line was, partner, this town ain't big enough for both of us. And they'd have a duel. And the duel was like you'd you'd stand back to back and then you'd walk and somebody would count nine, I forget how they did, but like nine, eight, you know, like that. One, you turn around and shoot and one of you would die, get shot first. Or maybe you both get shot. Partner, this town ain't big enough for both of us. So, you know. Spiritual world, it ain't big enough for two gods. Only one. You want to be one of them? Then, well, the sun came out on a cloudy day. If you want to be one of them, you can't stay there. So, you can take it literally or figuratively, but that's the point. If you want to take it that I was never there, but I have to go back there and say, okay, when you go back, there's only room for one God. So, and unfortunately, it's not you. <laughs> so, you probably noticed you're not God, right? Do you ever notice, like, you know, things happen you can't control? You probably noticed that, right? Yeah, definite, definitely proves you're not God. You ever get a toothache? Definitely proves you're not God. Because if you were God and controlled everything, you wouldn't allow yourself to get a toothache, which I don't think you would, would you? Hmm? I doubt it. And you wouldn't have a horrible job. You actually wouldn't have a job if you were God. And you wouldn't have horrible relationships. You'd have amazing relationships. Everything in your life would be amazing. Unfortunately, for conditioned souls, everything in their life is not amazing because they can't control everything. <clears throat> and even if you can't control what you can control, which is bits. <coughs> Let's say you could control, but you you can't control everything going on in the world. Maybe you can get you know you can get a lot of control of your life, of your mind, of your relationships, of your job. You know you can make your life better, but you can't control everything. Okay, Christy wants to know why a jiva doesn't fall back. This is such an interesting topic. You know, if you're ever giving a class and everybody's like looking at the floor, like with glassy eyes, like this is the most boring class I ever heard, just say that's two topics that will wake everyone up. One is sex and one is the fall of the jiva. So, you know, that if you're in desperation, you're giving a class and you're boring people to death, pick one of those two topics. As soon as they hear the word sex, they're going to wake up. Course, you say. So now I'm going to talk about 
no illicit sex. And then they'll wake up. And then, or you say, the jiva never fell from the spiritual world. And what do you mean? You can't say that. You know, explain. And everybody's awake. So that's how to wake people up. Some tips, right? How to wake people up for Bhagavatam class. <laughs> I know it sounds funny. And you know why it sounds funny? Because it's actually true. Why Jiva doesn't fall back then? Because irrelevant thoughts which could disturb the relationship with Krishna do not appear anymore. Or because when they do, Yogamaya helps and covers them. Why Jiva doesn't fall back? Because nobody falls from Vaikuntha. <laughs> Prabhupada said that. Well, if you ask Krishna Karshani, she would say, you can't fall from prema. It's impossible. And in fact, many devotees have said that. You cannot fall from prema. It's impossible. Which would then mean if we did fall, originally we didn't have prema. It would mean that, right? That's why this discussion wakes you up because it spins your head around and you can't sleep because you have these various ideas. And they're not just two, they're nuanced. There's nuances around both ideas. Anyway, what I would say to all of you, although Prabhupada did say, don't bother thinking about this because you know, you're not going to understand it. But if you want to use this to establish some siddhanta, philosophical siddhantas and discuss it, then it's good. Because better... Better think about this than think about all the horrible things going on in the United States right now or whatever else you think about. Because these things are, you know, these things can absorb our, our minds also, right? So it's nice. I don't think it's bad to think about this if we try to look at it from a philosophical perspective. It just absorbs us, you know. These these kinds of questions are really good. Prabhupada encourages us. You know, you're asking questions you're trying to understand, that's what human life is for, using your intelligence, studying Prabhupada's books, discussing with devotees, going deeper, deeper. That's what Krishna consciousness is for. And this is how you become Krishna conscious. And and you will see, if you try to go deeply into the um, philosophy and question things, not doubt, but question, how is this true? I don't understand this. And go deeper and ask questions and research it. That will just keep you very absorbed in Krishna consciousness. And in fact, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And I've, I've found personally that when I go deeply into the philosophy, it's kind of like I feel like I'm, I've just dug a big hole in the ground and I'm in this hole and the world can no longer touch me. Or maybe better example is I'm on the top of a building or something. And down on the ground there's a fire, but on top it doesn't touch us. It just... That's the power of being absorbed in discussing Krishna consciousness. It just You just feel like these discussions are transcendental and they protect you from material influence. And, you know, there's so many things going on in this world you could talk about, but ultimately they won't benefit you. You, you might be curious about them, 
But better to use your curiosity to study our philosophy and, you know, ask questions, doubt, why is this? If this happened, how could this be true? And Or like, you know, we were seeing this story, <clears throat> Balaram's looking at the calves, and these are older calves, and he's thinking, these calves have not milked in a long time. This is really weird. Why would their parents, all of a sudden, the, the cow parents, the mothers, why would they be feeding them milk? Hmm, I don't think about this one. I'm not sure. What's going on here? And then you're looking at this Leela and you're thinking, wait a minute, that's Balaram. How could Balaram not know? And all of a sudden, you have something to think about, to study, to get into. Balaram didn't know. What does this mean? And then you start discussing. You said, well, was this the influence of Yoga Maya that Krishna didn't want Balaram to know? But Balaram is the Supreme Personality of Godhead who knows everything. How could he not know? But Maybe Krishna didn't want him to know, and can Krishna, if Krishna doesn't want Balaram to know, does that mean Balaram will not know? Uh, and does Krishna tell Yogamaya to tell Balaram not to know? And or or for what reason in Leela did Balaram not know, and how did it enhance the Leela? So you're asking all these questions, right? And you're lying there in your bed. It's ten o'clock at night. How did Balaram not know? I just can't understand. 11 o'clock at night, you've been reading for an hour going through Bhagavatam. i got to find out. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Instead of thinking, you know, why is this politician doing this? Or why is this this movie star doing so many stupid things? Or you know, who, who won the last football game? If we, so if we don't do that with a philosophy, then we're going to be doing it with what's going on in the material world, which is not... It's interesting, but definitely not beneficial for us. So that's what we're supposed to be doing. So all these questions are good. Um, and this kind of discussion is really good. And I, I've i done this practically my whole devotional life, just questioned, just keep asking questions because the more questions you ask, the more answers you get. And the more answers you get, the more you understand Krishna consciousness. And the more you understand Krishna consciousness, the more stable you'll be in Krishna consciousness. That's my experience. So answer, keep asking questions, keep looking for answers, and you will go more deeply into Krishna consciousness and it'll be more stabilizing. That's my experience. So, Krishna Karshani says, if we are independent, even after going back to Krishna, we can, out of independence, again, make decisions to leave the spiritual world. It seems independence can be dangerous. Yeah, it is. But for us here, independence is a good thing. And you might say, no, independence is a bad thing because if I didn't have independence, I wouldn't be here. Well, now it's a good thing because you're here. So with independence, you can get out of here because if you didn't have independence, maybe Krishna would say, <clears throat> too late, you can't get out of here and you can't choose to get out of here. I choose to keep you here forever and so you have no choice. But the same thing that got us here is going to get us out of here. So misusing independence got us here. Properly utilizing it will get us out of here. So now that you're here, independence is good. And Sometimes I think we all think 
Krishna, I am stupid. Why do you allow me to be stupid? And Krishna says, man, you know, because you want to be, basically. I'm not going to get in your way if you want to be stupid. That's up to you. But I've given you Bhagavad Gita, so you don't have to be stupid anymore. But if you want to ignore it, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to get in your way. Why don't you just get in my way? It would be so much better. No, I'm not going to do that. You're you're independent entity. Now, you can pray to me to help you, guide you, so you don't do stupid things, and I'll help you. But I'm not going to get in your way if you if you want to exhibit your independence. I'm not going to get in the way. That's what you want. And I give you that choice. God's sanction and God's will. Two different things, right? What God lets you do and what he wants you to do, not always the same. He lets you mess up. Doesn't mean he wants you to. But if that's what you want to do, he says, okay. Because he knows for some of us, or all of us, but maybe at uh, for now, it's a, uh, at, at this point, it may be a little different, but generally, we have to mess up to learn. And so, why did he give me independence? So you could mess up, because that would be the only way you're going to learn, because we're stubbornly trying to be Krishna. We're envious of Krishna. So, unless that envy takes us into head on into a brick wall, we're not going to learn, because we're dull brain. That's qualification. Manda Sumanda Mateo. Bhagavatam says, Manda Bhagya, unfortunate. Manda Mateo, Manda Bhagya. And intelligence, Bhagavatam says, your intelligence is in first gear, basically. Never, in Kali Yuga, intelligence is like first gear. So you you become Krishna conscious, you read Prabhupada's books, you can get your intelligence, you know, into fifth gear. It starts really functioning well. So, you know, if you if you want to be foolish, Krishna says, okay, be foolish. And through your foolishness, you'll learn. That may be the only way you can learn. So I'm not going to interfere with your learning process. That's how you learn. I mean, it's right there in the Bhagavad Gita, black and white. You read it. Boop, boop. And, and you all know that if you didn't experience some of the realities in the material world, then when you, when you read Bhagavad Gita, it just goes in one ear out the other. But the fact that we experienced the realities of this world and we were conscious and we, would, we were admitting things are not perfect, things definitely can be better, this world is not perfect. Then when we read Bhagavad Gita, it made sense. And that all came from making independent bad choices and gaining the experience those independently made bad choices give you. That's how we learn in Kali Yuga, because we're in first gear. And so if you're in first gear, yeah, you got to like, you got to crash. You got to realize, you got to get out of first gear. You want to get somewhere. So Krishna lets us crash or blow the transmission. <clears throat> And if you don't like it, that's fine. Who would like that? But if you don't like it, then the solution is become intelligent. Then you don't have to crash and burn. You just make the right decisions. And how do you become intelligent? You listen to Krishna. You listen to Prabhupada. You listen to your spiritual master. And then you avoid so much trouble. But if you don't want to, 
then you'll crash and burn and then you realize, you know, I probably should have listened. Yeah, that's right. It just took some crashing and burning to get that through. That's sometimes the reality, unfortunately. So what, what to do? Sometimes that's all you can do. <laughs> it's the only way you'll learn, you know. Right? Like sometimes, sometimes we're so attached to enjoying something that the only way Krishna can ever show us that this will not make you happy is to create some scenario for you where it's really unpleasant. This desire to enjoy this thing has really backfired. And once isn't enough because once you think, well, it's bad luck, you know, try it again. But if you try it again and again and again and it keeps backfiring, then after a while, if you're not completely dull, you'll think, I don't think this works. There must be a better way to do this. And super soul kicks in and starts guiding you. And then you come to Krishna consciousness and you say, oh, this is just what I'm looking for. And so we see those of us who teach Krishna consciousness, we see there are all kinds of people and some people are like dry grass. You put the match in the dry grass, and other people are like wet grass. You put a whole forest fire and it can't doesn't catch. They're just not ready. <laughs> Christy says, I remember you answered this back in the summer but totally forgot the answer. Yeah. Is my answer any different now? Did I add any any nuances or more details? Nadia says, I often have trouble to differentiate material health with material. What do you mean? In example. You mean for example. Someone can be very miserable due to the lockdown. Not having enough sunlight and exercise. Yeah, oxygen going out etc. But taking care of the body is just material and sometimes we focus in engaging on service and sadhana all day, that taking care of the body and the mind and material health. So at some point, we could end up with a lack of vitamins or material body pains. How should we handle material health when it has nothing to do with Krishna consciousness? At the same time, taking care of it helps. Well, there's this story going around. Some of you may have heard. I think I think this this was I don't know if you know this, but Jadarani, who is one of the first or maybe the first woman in Iskand, and the famous artist, she was um ill. And Prabhupada wrote her and said, Health first, sadhana second, service third. That was a letter for her. And I think I think it's obvious <clears throat> if you don't have health, then there's no sadhana and then there's no service. So it, it's something it's something like we say Chani Hare Krishna is the most important. It's everywhere in Prabhupada's books. But then if you read the fine print, it says association is most important. Why? Because if I don't have association, I won't have the inspiration to chant. So chanting is the most important, but but association is fundamental for the inspiration to chant. So I think we could look at this in a similar way. Right? 
Okay, what's the most important thing? Sada and service, not health. Well, yeah, but if you don't have health, you don't have sada and service. Sada and service. <clears throat> so that's why Prabhupada said first health. And there's another another uh, conception that we have to add to this is that if you take care of your health and you're and you're fully engaged in Krishna service or your life is dedicated to Krishna to one degree or another, you're a devotee, then taking care of your health is service. So you, so you can't distinguish, well, I'm just taking care of my health. This is maya. Well, why are you taking care of your health? So I can serve Krishna. So why is that maya? If you're taking care of your health so you can go out and enjoy the world, yeah, that's maya. If you're taking care of your health for service, then how is that maya? How is doing anything for service? Well, I'm working, it's maya. Well, why are you working? To maintain myself. All right, you're a devotee, right? Yeah, well, you're maintain, your work is to maintain a devotee. So how is that maya? I mean, you may be in maya at work, that's another thing. But conceptually, it's not maya. So, um, and so conceptually, taking care of your body is not maya, unless you're taking care of it, you know. He's going to the gym every day. Why are you going? So I look sexy. What do you think? Why does there need anybody to go to the gym? No, it's to be healthy. Yeah, that's a side benefit. But I want to lose 20 pounds and I want to look sexy. Okay, so that's the wrong reason to go to the gym. Why are you going to the gym? So I have energy to serve Krishna. I'm getting old. The body's slowing down. I need to move it. I want to dance in the kirtan. I don't want to get tired. I want to be be alert, mind clear. Okay, so why is that material? So we shouldn't think of it that way. Uh, so Nadia goes on I ask this because of the subject since we fall and are here dealing with a bad marriage um, this is one of the stuff we have to deal with in the material world yeah. well um, definitely we have to deal with the body which is not always fun especially when it's sick and or it's tired or it's angry <clears throat> or upset in some ways so, um, but I think it was in the Isopanishad Prabhupada coined this term, or maybe his Guru Maharaj coined it, make the best use of a bad bargain. What's the bad bargain? The body is a bad bargain. Because the body was created for material enjoyment. That's why we have it. And now we're switching the use of it to its ultimate purpose. So, do your best. Use the body for service and it'll be okay. I mean, it's never perfectly okay. It's always too hot or too cold or I'm too tired or I slept too much, I didn't sleep enough or I ate too much, I didn't eat enough. Isn't it? Do you ever not sleep enough and the whole day you're kind of, everybody's talking to you and you're like, Huh? What'd you say? Or you wake up and you've slept too much and you're like the whole day, it's like, oh, I slept too much. I wasted time. Oh, I have so much to do. Oh, and you're like upset all day. Or you you don't eat enough and you get up and then a half hour later you're like still starving. Or you eat too much and a half hour later you're like seeing stars. Your mind is fogged up with ghee. So, you know, <laughs> or something bothers you and you're trying, I'm not going to be bothered by this. <laughs> 
I'm not angry, okay? This is not bothering me. It's just hard to have a body, isn't it? You ever talk to someone and say, don't get angry. I'm not angry. Okay. So, you know, it's hard to have a body. And that's part of the lesson. <laughs> it's like, bad bargain. Okay, I've got a body. And it's really great, you know, when you get older because it slows down and you want to do all these things you did when you were younger and run and jump and this. And you start to do it and your body's like, no, we can't do this. <laughs> you did that when you were 20. This is 50 years later. We can't do this. You haven't done this in 50 years. What are you trying to kid yourself? And, and you're in this body that can't do all these things your mind wants to do. No, but I just want to run for, for 10 miles. No, it's not working. You haven't run for 10 miles in 20 years. So that's just the reality of having a body. It's not fun to have a body. <clears throat> but if you use it for a Krishna, it becomes blissful. Devotional service is blissful. So it seems like every Friday we go longer, like, you know, just to like, keep us keep us through the weekend so we don't fall in Maya. We, go, we have classes longer. Okay. I was just watching this teacher... And he's he's like such a good teacher, and he's so funny. And I think it's like when I watch these people who are funny, then I start imitating them. So I was kind of I like to act also, but who was actually someone who trained me, and he said the best way to learn is entertain people. You know, it's funny and enjoying. You actually learn more. Did you know that? I think we intuitively know that because if you've been to a boring class and <laughs> what did you learn? I can't remember. I think I'm hypnotized. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, okay, Tanya says, for me too, that sounds like the most logical option. But then again, I'm pretty sure we won't truly understand such things until our less Krishna reveals it to us. Maybe better just to do our service. You know, both sides in a sense are logical and you can extrapolate both philosophies of how we fell by studying different books, Prabhupada's books and the books of other acharyas. And, um, you know, I mean, Krishna Karshani, you know, if I was just appearing in, in, in Tatashta and then... I had a choice to look to the spiritual world or look to the material world, and I really didn't know what the spiritual world was like, and I really didn't know Krishna. And I just decided to go shopping in the material world because that store looked pretty good. Then I won't feel so guilty and shameful as opposed to, I was with Krishna and I said, you know, you're cool, but give me a chance. That, that's heavy, isn't it? So, you know, I think there could be a psychological element to this, not wanting Aside from the philosophical, it not aside from it not making sense that I could have ever left Krishna, it also helps because then, if I did leave him, I could feel extremely guilty, right? Like, how could I do that? That's like, that's like the hor most horrible thing anybody could do. But if I didn't know, I was never with him. I was just in this neutral position, and I could choose to go up and down. But you know, there was no internet at that time, so I couldn't see the features of the spiritual and material. So looks like you know, it was a good place to you know, have fun. So that's another 
another thing to factor into this. I always, I always feel like whenever you're discussing things, you always, always have to throw in some psychology because it's the psychology which is the filter through which we understand things. And that may sometimes have an influence and we don't even know it. So it's nice to just at least throw that into the mix just to consider. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's not pure philosophical. Maybe there's some psychological reason that I, it's hard to accept one or the other. Just throwing it out, it may not be, but we have a question, question from S. later. If Yogamaya is the controller of the spiritual world and in the material world there is Mahamaya, is Yogamaya also here in the material? Yeah. <clears throat> How does it work? How can it be identified? Chant 16 good rounds this later and you will be under the influence of yoga mind and you will know exactly how she works. Chant 16 bad rounds, you will be under the influence of Mahamaya and that experience will give you everything you need to know about yoga mind and Mahamaya. Now, <laughs> so Slater says, my Guru Maharaj gave me the order today to chant 16 bad rounds so I could experience Maya. Well, actually, I don't think we have to do that to experience Maya because we experienced a lot of maya. So if you chant 16 good rounds, you will experience yoga maya. You read Bhagavatam for five hours on Saturday, you will experience yoga maya. Go to a kirtan all day, one day, you know, eight hours, you'll experience yoga maya. So yoga maya is not a location, it's an energy, which we can put ourselves under or run away from. Is that okay, Slater? I think that should have answered it. Christe says, another question popped on my mind. Good. Is it that we wake up to Krishna consciousness in this life only the result of our past karma? Or is it also mercy? Nothing to do with past karma. Past activities in devotional service, yes. Uh, is it also mercy of Krishna, the mercy of the devotee, that he chooses for us to wake up you choose, and because you choose, Krishna sends the guru, and because you want it, you take his mercy, and then you wake up. And devotional service is not a result of past karma, because karma, in, in this context, karma would mean material activity. Um, not directly. You could say, well, through material activity, I got frustrated. But but <clears throat> that just brings you to the shore. But the cause of getting in the ocean is that um, pure devotee will come and bring you into the ocean. But at this point, you're at the shore, so you're ready. But nothing material will give you bhakti. It has to come from something transcendental, the holy name, the Vaishnav, the prasadam, the seva, like that. That's how you get it. But Prabhupada said, if it's being, if it's being offered to you, then take it. And that's That's you're part of it. That's what you really have to do, is just take it. And yes, in this lifetime, uh, you can take it. And and sometimes, you know, when you discuss this, sometimes you don't even need the analytical side of this. It's just take it is the answer. You know, devotional services come to you. Well, well, well because in my past life I was... Uh, this or that, and you know, do I do I need to enjoy the material a little more to get more burned out? You know, and is it you know, do I need to read you know Bhagavad Gita three times before I get the mercy? No, you don't have to go there. Just take it. <laughs> that's that's what Prabhupada said. The mercy comes. Just take it. Don't fill don't 
philosophize your way around it. Take it, then philosophize later. You know, why did I take it? What did I do? You know, what's what's the reason? Is it material? Is it Guru's mercy? It was I intelligent? Was it all these things? You know, why don't some people take it? Have that discussion later. First, take it, and so sometimes <laughs> when we're discussing this, Prabhupada will just say, you know, if the mercy comes, take it. <laughs> Take it now, ask questions later. <laughs> well, I can't take it unless I answer all these answer all these questions. That may be true for some, but that's not the best way. Oh, Kelly knows those westerners. Partner, this town ain't big enough for both of us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true of the spiritual world. Prabhu Spiritual world ain't big enough for both of us. Only one of us can be God, and I think you're not the one. So, if you still want to be God, we got a place for you. Get out of our town. How do they say get here? You know, when you're getting kicked out of a town, there's some phrase, you know, getting run out of town before you run. Get out of town before I shoot you. There is some phrase like that. There must be. Marco says, I read in the Harinam Chintamani that the Jiva has an infinitesimal portion of Chit Shakti, power of knowledge, and Ladini, power of pleasure, like Krishna. They awaken simultaneously the awakening of our eternal our eternal love for Krishna and our original rasa. I believe that all questions, however, philosophically inviting will automatically be revealed. Yeah. <clears throat> I can read you something about this from Bhakti Siddhanta. When we all become truly anxious and greedy to reconnect with Krishna and taste the sweetness of the rasa that unites us, it is impossible to understand some topics with our mind and intelligence. We need to place ourselves on the spiritual level. But, Marco, I have information for you. Some devotees have inquisitive minds and their their service is to discuss things that they could never understand perfectly. And that actually keeps them in devotional service. Because their mind is like, it's very philosophical, and their mind is like a sponge. They just want to know, 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 and that be, that's their disposition. So what you say is true. <clears throat> but for some devotees, they need to know all these things because their mind, if they don't know it, their mind like will explode. <laughs> I'm going to read you something. You're going to like this very much. Check this out. This is from Bhakti Siddhanta. Only the holy name reveals the spiritual activities of the living being and then causes him to be attracted to Krishna's pastimes. By service to the holy name, we do not mean only chanting. It also includes other duties of the chanter. If we serve the holy name with the body, mind, and soul, then the direction of that service spontaneously manifests like the sun in the clear sky of the chanter's heart. What is the nature of the... And so he's saying, what, what reveals from chanting the nature of the holy name? Um, all these understandings spontaneously appear in the heart of one who chants. The true nature of Harinam is revealed by listening to, reading, studying scriptures. It is unnecessary to write anything further on this topic. All things will be revealed to you through chanting. There it is. So maybe today... Chant some really good rounds. It'll be revealed to you where you fell from. What floor were you on when you fell into the material world? 
the first floor, the fifth floor, the tenth floor. So Nadia says, is that like meeting with a beloved only for a short time and know that it won't last forever and be happy and sad at the same time during the meeting? Separation feelings are only... One of the things I'm more curious, it's like you need to miss somebody sometime to keep the relationship interesting. Otherwise, you could take for granted the position and stop enough giving value to him or her, but of course that wouldn't happen in the spiritual world, so it's interesting trying to understand. Um, it's... Um, not exactly like that. It's much more than that. And the way, one of the ways it's described is that separation is, it's like, um, it's like you say, it's a spice, you know, it's appreciation. Separation makes the heart grow fonder. It's just, it's like there's so many things that can, that can be the impetus for love. And separation is a very strong impetus, but it's natural also, especially when Krishna's gone, and it's a natural byproduct of love, but it enhances love. So separation is there to enhance our love. So sometimes Krishna leaves Vrindavan because it actually helps the residents of Vrindavan. Why don't you go back to Vrindavan? Because if I go back to Vrindavan and then I leave again, they won't be able to take it, so better I don't go back. And actually, they're doing better that I'm gone because they're thinking of me more, so I'm going to stay away. And I also miss them, and I'm thinking of them. And so my love for them is increasing, their love for me is increasing. If I go back, it'll be different. So I'm going to stay away. That's one way of looking at it. So it's just an activity that enhances love. And so everything everything that Krishna wants for himself and for his devotees is to increase the love. And he'll arrange or he'll do whatever is necessary for that. And separation is, is, is the way to experience the highest form of love, the highest ecstasy in Mahaprabhu experienced in separation, so it's not just it's not just a way to appreciate more the the being together when there's separation, but in fact the separation is the most intense way to love Krishna. That's I mean that's a short explanation. So Puran Puran Ananda Puran Ananda Yoga Maya covers Jiva's Krishna consciousness in the material world like demigods. Lord Brahma was under Yogamaya, yes. But, you know, Arjuna, was Arjuna under Yogamaya? Or Mahamaya? Prabhupada said Yogamaya, but it acted like Mahamaya. But Yogamaya was controlled by Krishna to um, put him in illusion so he could ask the right questions. So, you know, Yogamaya can work in a way that it appears like Mahamaya. But the ultimate goal is to bring bring us to Krishna. Or Yoga Maya can work in a way to protect Krishna from people. She doesn't want Krishna to know her. She doesn't want to know who Krishna is. Could be devotees and non devotees. Sex, fall of the Jiva, female guru. Oh, some of the hot topics. Oh yeah, that's another one. If anyone's getting bored in class. Okay, now we're going to talk about female Diksha Gurus. <sighs> yeah, I don't want it. Uh, the blood is boiling. No, you're a nonsense. You should let them do it. That's what Prabhupada. No, he doesn't. Controversy. Yeah, you know, talk about something controversial. You'll get like 10 million more hits on your YouTube videos. Is there a connection with Durga, Yogamaya, and Subhadra? Yes, it's all one. 
all one. External. Durga is the external. Energy, Yogama is internal. Subhadra is Yogama. If when you have prema, uh, uh, when I get prema, I'll answer your question. If when you have prema, you don't get back, so, turning at my previous question, how can other souls fall back to make the material world go on? No, there's always ones that are coming. Meaning that there are souls in the spiritual world that don't have prema. No, this is just, I, I said that, like Prabhupada said, you can't fall from, nobody falls from Vaikuntha, you can't fall from prema. But it appears that Prabhupada said, we were with Krishna in Vaikuntha and we fell. But he just said, we can't. So I was just throwing that out to confuse you more, to make the discussion more interesting, because it's you have opposite. And so we're trying to discuss both opposites to see if we can amalgamate some kind of conclusion. And my famous or infamous answer to this question, Prabhu Ji, did we fall from Vaikuntha or did we fall from the Tatasta position? And my famous answer is, depends who you ask that question to. That's the answer you will get. So the GBC has chosen to give the answer that we were in Vaikuntha, but not every GBC entirely agrees, or entirely agrees that's the only explanation. So are there room? is there room for two explanations in the spiritual world? There's room for like five million explanations in the spiritual world. So, um, but don't worry, when you go back to Godhead, you're there. You got a place, you got a house, everything's good, you won't lose it, don't worry. I will cut the last part of your lesson. It is so inspirational. I don't know, what did I say? But um, this time it was more simplified, I think. Prabhupada said, you don't fall back. No more questions after a statement like that. Yeah. Prabhupada said you could, but you don't. Gerda says, we have an independence, came to the material world, suffering, but Prabhupada came here and gave us his mercy books, etc. That means Krishna still loves all of us. Yes, definitely. He gives the opportunity to know about him even we want to forget him. Yes, maybe it's a... Lack of appreciation among devotees, yeah. If you think like this, then you just want to, you want to, you think, I'm so fortunate that I have this position and Krishna's given me all of this that I want to give back. That's how you'll think naturally, right? I'm so fortunate, I have such an opportunity. This is amazing. After all these lifetimes, I have an opportunity. The only problem, Gerda, and all of you, is the wheel of conditioning is going. So this wheel of conditioning, it's like, no, I came here to enjoy. And Krishna consciousness, oh, you have this opportunity to get out of the material world. This is like once in a billion lifetimes you met a pure divine. Yeah, but I came here to enjoy this world and I still want to enjoy it. No, but you'll enjoy here. Yeah, but I'm not experiencing that enjoyment yet. And this looks attractive. So this side has to be stronger than this side, because this side will keep you in the material world, and this side will get you out. I want to give a, I think I need to give like a <clears throat> a four-day workshop on the mind, because the mind is the problem. The mind is all about, yeah, but, 
And Prabhupada's saying, this, 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 this. And the mind says, yeah, that makes sense, but. And the but is like that lifetimes of conditioning. You know, it's, what did I come to this world for? I, You know, it's like, let's say, Gerda, you came to America and you're like, I'm going to become rich and famous. I've got like 10 degrees and I'm like overly qualified and I can't succeed in Lithuania. I'm going to come to America and I'm going to get this supreme job. I'm going to like be the top people in Google, blah, blah, blah. And then you, you meet devotees and devotees say, nah, you know, that's just an American. You have an American dream, but it's actually an American nightmare. And it doesn't work that way. And rich people aren't happy. And you'll be working like 16 hours a day. And you'll burn out from stress. And you don't want to hear that. You want to hear... No, I want to be like number one and have a big house and a Mercedes Benz and this and that. <clears throat> so it's a little bit like that, you know. You you're coming with this intention to you know to be successful, and it's very strong, right? So you don't want to stop that, even though they're saying you know you're going to work sixteen hours a day, sixty six days a week. You know, on Sunday you're going to be a wreck. You're just going to sleep the whole day and you know do your laundry and wash your car and that's it. And you're going to be back on work on Monday. You don't want to hear that because it's not what you came for. So it's a little bit like that. You know, we didn't come to hear about how we can enjoy. <laughs> so this side is going, yes, appreciation. This is so, I'm so fortunate. I'm so this. This is amazing Krishna consciousness. And the others, the mind's going, yeah, but you didn't come for that. You came to be the man, the woman, succeed, enjoy. That's what we're dealing with. <clears throat> that wonderful little jabber there. And you have to be able to turn this side off. Okay, this side's going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm just going to turn you off for a while. And then you turn this side on and everything's fine. This side is just going. You're like, yeah, let's go to temple. Let's chant. Everything's good. And this side goes, well, what about me? What about me? Just, I'm turned you off. Just be quiet, you know. So if you can turn this side off, then it's easy. But if you let this side turn on, you're really conflicted all the time. <clears throat> You might be a why at work. Yes, that's a big topic too. I think it happens to many of us. Sorry to bring these topics, but I relate with them. Yeah. Well, Krishna's at your work. He's in every atom of your, every desk at your job. He's in the heart of every employee. He created the oxygen, the water you drink, everything. He's all over the place. As my doctor says, your body belongs to your spiritual master. That's why you have to take care of it. Serve him. Perfect. Uh, I'm trying to get balance and sleep, and it's hard. I stay up late, but I like to wake up early, and it doesn't work. No matter if I sleep three hours in three days, repeating this, the body just takes over and starts sleeping. Yeah, of course. That's called imbalance. It's better to just get enough rest every day. You want to hear a funny story, Nadia? One time, it's devotee. He used to talk very slowly when he would give class. And sometimes in the old days, we would give class and we would close our eyes and he was giving class and he fell asleep. And everyone in the class fell asleep. I think they weren't getting enough rest. What do you think? It was quite a picture. We didn't have 
smartphones in those days, but it would have been a nice picture, wouldn't it? <laughs> I won't get a chance to clean my heart and mind. I become Krishna conscious in my 40s. I fear I don't have enough time. Prabhupada said it's going to take you 40 years to perfect your japa, so be patient. But it'll be worth it. 40 years from now, it'll be worth it, believe me. When will you give the class about Vaishnavi Diksha Gurus? Oh, you want me to give the class about Vaishnavi Diksha But then someone might shoot me after the class. Let's talk privately about that. Um, I've given classes before. Um, if I'm good remembering, Purnamasi is Yoga Maya. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, she is. My mind is always like a ventilator and it never stops. Theoretically, I know some statements but experience them is another thing. Sometimes I say what I've read to remind myself, which is, which are the answers, but my mind's still asking and wandering. Yeah, we have to give a class on the mind. Wandering. Yeah, why is the mind working against us? So I'm not very different from who has an inquisitive mind. Yeah, that's good. You're reminding yourself that, you know, you could be in your mind and not do anything sometimes. That's also possible. There's never any loss in Krishna consciousness and Krishna is merciful. We just have to do our best. Yeah. Maybe after we finish this series on Yoga Maya, which may only go another week or two, we can do a series on the mind or just do it like an all-day seminar, like all day for the rest of our lives, maybe. Uh, our mind is always complaining and not wanting to do service, but just to enjoy useless nonsense stuff. It's very annoying. Yeah, just turn it off. Find that switch, Nadia. And just when your mind is saying all these things, just go. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, can I turn you off now? Don't yell at your mind. Just say, "Oh, yeah, you know what you said. That's interesting. Totally useless for me. I have no need for it. Probably had a need for it, like you know, the last hundred thousand lifetimes. Now I'm a devotee. I don't need it. So is it okay if I just turn you off? Well, if it's not okay, I'll turn you off anyway, and just turn it off. I was thinking. This morning, you know, the statement, beat your head with the shoes, beat your head with a broomstick at night. I think shoes in the morning, broomstick at night. And Prabhupada said, neglect your mind. And the mind's the enemy. It's like, it's just like, turn it off. Get it? You know, what's what's the essence of your seminar in the mind? If it's not helping you become Krishna conscious, turn it off. Boss. That's it, you know. Maybe we should make a t-shirt. The mind, if the mind's not helping you become Krishna conscious, Big red letters. Turn it off! Big exclamation marks. Hare <laughs> uh, Krishna. There's a daily video on female Diksha Guru. All right. So watch that first, Saradhi Rasa, and then we'll see what happens. Okay. You've got, this was, I think, the longest class I've given. You, you have 38-minute bonus just to keep you going through the weekend. But, if you can find that switch in your mind when it says blah, 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 and you just go, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I'm going to turn you off right now. And uh, I'll turn you on later, maybe like in 50 years or so, so you can just be quiet for a while. And then this side, all the Krishna consciousness is great. I appreciate it. Devotees are wonderful. Philosophy is wonderful. Prabhupada so merciful. My guru is so merciful. I'm so fortunate. All that can start directing your life, and then you'll be fine. Uh, 
Not 40 years of chanting without taste. 40 years to perfection. So, you know, it'll get better. But you want to perfect your chanting, it'll take like 40 years. So, you know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of stuff we did that's going to take a while to clean. There's a lot of rice burnt in the pot of the heart. Pranayam has been useful, but pranayam is not devotional. No, it's artificial, but if it works, use it. So I don't know how to turn it off through save it. No, you just turn it off. You don't have to know how. There's no there's no knowing how. You just do it. Like, like who's in charge of your life? You or your mind? Uh, um, let me think about that one. No, don't think about it. You are... So if you're in charge of your life, why can't you turn your mind off? Your mind is not you. Your mind is just, you know, it's it's a few stages down. You know, you have you, then you have false ego, then you have intelligence, then you have mind. So you're like way above. So just turn it off. How do you do it? Just do it. But I don't know how. Yeah, you do. Just do it. Try it, you know. The mind says this, just go... That's interesting. I'm going to turn you off now and just turn it off. Like, what's the big deal? Just turn it off. Hare Krishna. <laughs> okay. Okay, so today's class is entitled Turn Off Your Mind. I think the Beatles sang a song like, Turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. Well, it's not exactly what we're trying to do. Turn off your mind to Maya. That's it. Okay, turn off the old... What do the Buddhists call the monkey mind? Turn off your monkey mind. Because the monkey mind will jump, 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 jump. And your mind will say, Oh, you'll never be Krishna conscious. You can't do that. You're useless. Why did you go enjoy, you know? This Krishna conscious is too hard. You'll never be Krishna conscious. Just, you know what? And really, you know, I mean, who could... Prabhupada's disciples, they can follow, but, you know, nobody else can really follow, you know. And just look around Iskon, you know, how many people are following. And even the ones who are following, they're probably not. They're just faking it. And, you know, nobody can do this. It's really just only Indians can do it, and, you know. Nobody's really chanting 16 rounds. They're all faking it, and, you know. And the people going to Munger Arctic, they're probably zombies all day, and they just go home after Munger Arctic and sleep all day. And, you know, it's like, that's the mind that needs to be turned off. Okay. <laughs> Hare Krishna. <laughs> uh, mm. There are many reasons why the mind takes over Nadia. Uh, that's one of them. <clears throat> There's lots of others. Like, there are reasons that are so subtle we don't even know. And it takes some introspection, some work on yourself to know why you're thinking like that. And so that's part of the work. Okay. Tomorrow Never Knows is the song title. Well, you need a song title? We have the man. Marco the man. He knows. Okay. All right. Hare Krishna to everyone. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.